Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. We are broadcasting from the Blue Chew Studios. Try Blue Chew free. Just use that promo code Hardy at checkout. Pay $5 shipping and you get that thing sent right to you. That is the good stuff. I, of course, am John Alba, joined by the man of the hour, the spoken one himself, Mr. Matt Hardy. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Any day I have my array of beverages, as you can see, we have a bang. We have a Diet Pepsi. And we have an agua. You can never have enough water. I will say this again because water is very therapeutic. You have to stay hydrated to stay healthy. Yes. Hydrate or dehydrate, my friends. That's very, very important. And Matt Hardy, uh, last week we had so much fun watching Tag Team Apocalypto with Dan Housen. And things got absolutely insane. Uh, People were very excited. I don't know if you knew this, but your vessel was taken over for a few minutes by the broken one. How, I, how- I, I didn't realize it until I uh, watched the uh, podcast back on my YouTube channel. So it was, you know, whenever, whenever he comes, whenever he decides he wants to, uh, to take it, he takes it. And I don't know. I just, I usually learn after the fact. Yeah. How does that feel afterwards? Like, does it, is there just this energy taken out of your body? Yeah, I'm, I'm not really, uh, I, I don't remember a lot of it. You know, usually when I, when Damascus comes and when I, when the essence takes over my vessel, uh, it, it's it's like a little bit of a memory. It's a, it's a gap of memory loss, and I don't know what happened exactly. Wow, so you had like a two-year memory loss gap. That, uh, that must have yeah. sucked. <laughs> yeah, it was like being in a coma and waking up. It, just imagine how different the world looked. All of a sudden, you got another kid. You got all this stuff. Man, that's uh, crazy. A lot of stuff changed during that time, for sure. (laughs) Ended up in a different company. That's pretty crazy. So, uh, man, it was a lot of fun. We got to thank Dan Housen for coming on. He was great. And uh, the the Dan Housen fan base, man, you talk about your fan base being loyal. The Dan Housen fan base is incredibly loyal. 
uh, got to give it up, Housen, to Dan Housen. Uh, the fan base Housen he has is uh, so loyal and so dedicated, and uh, I love to see it. You know, it, it really shows his hard work and efforts through social media, how he's built up this great following, and they're so loyal, and it's, it's awesome. It was awesome, and um, we also have some awesome stuff going on here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. First off, Matt and I need to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We were overwhelmed by reviews that we got from you guys as part of our contest yeah. giveaway. And it was really incredible to see some of the kind words that you had to share with us. Matt, what are we going to be giving away? I think we should finally announce that. Um, well, it's going to be special. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it is a championship that I held. I'm going to let you give the deets on it, John. It is a signed TNA World Heavyweight Championship replica that Matt, it was the replica of the title that Matt held uh, in the, when we did our Becoming Broken series, when you won the championship, that is the exact championship replica that you'll be getting a signed copy of. And maybe we'll pick a couple runner-ups that we'll send some signed or personalized uh, stuff to as well, so... This is awesome, man. And how can they yeah. get involved in that contest? Because we're going to extend it a couple weeks here. That's right. You can get involved in the contest by going to Apple or Spotify, wherever you find our podcast, and you can leave a review and a star rating and give us five, cinco, five, cinco, five stars. You give us a five-star review, and you leave us uh, your thoughts on the podcast. We love feedback. And you uh, get a screenshot. You post it on my Twitter on John Alba's Twitter, on uh, the Matt Hardy Pod Twitter, and you are immediately registered to win the TNA title. That you certainly are, and it's going to be a very cool giveaway. So get in on very some, much so. They're getting on some of that fun as well. And we have updated our T-shirt store because we got to whore ourselves out for some merch. And boy, howdy, do we have some good T-shirts, Matt Hardy? You could put a spoken Matt Hardy T-shirt on that back. I know you do your T-shirt. Yes. Uh, posts on Instagram. Yes, I definitely will. Yeah, the T-shirt dump and delete. You know, I want to put the spoken Matt Hardy T-shirt on there. And I also want to let it play out. And uh, if you order a T-shirt, make sure you let it play out. That's a very popular T-shirt as of right now. And we can also smarten you up and let you know if something is Matt fact or Matt fiction. I love the new shirts. They look great. Shout out to Ryan. Yeah. Boxagimmicks.com, guys. That's where you want to get that stuff. Head on over there now. There's also the the regular Extreme Life of Matt Hardy logo that you can uh, get on a T-shirt as well and some additional stuff, like coffee mugs, sweatshirt, all that good stuff. Boxofgimmicks.com. Just click the Matt Hardy store, the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. So good stuff there, Matt. And uh, yeah, man, you had a, a new rendition of the Expedition of yes. Gold. The new yeah. IWC Tag Team Champs. It has begun again. This Saturday, we were right outside Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we wrestled for IWC. I've made uh, several stops there throughout the years, and we wrestled one of the uh, the, the truly hot up-and-coming tag teams in the, in the industry right now, which is TME. It stands for the main event, and main is spelled like the main of a lion. Uh, two big super athletic dudes and we went out and had a had like a 20 minute match with them a very legit solid competitive match uh, it was a big good guy versus good guy match so being babyface versus babyface uh it was it was very important to tell the story in a very specific way to try and keep both teams as fan favorites and nobody really cheated although we had times where we got aggressive in the match both teams did and uh lo and behold they have been the longest international wrestling cartel champions that I think there's ever been in their history as tag team champs. And uh, they were defeated last Saturday night by the Hardys. 
So we have one tag team gold again. And we've told everyone our number one priority is to win the AEW World Tag Team titles. But we already have one set underneath our belt. So uh, I feel like this gives us a little bit moment, a little bit of momentum moving forward in AEW to uh, face Jurassic Express, hopefully sooner than later. Well, I also saw another promo that you guys cut promoting the Forbidden Door show. And you mentioned that yeah. winning the New Japan Tag Titles would be a lot for you guys. Japanese yeah. wrestling, so much history. And that's something that you guys haven't been able to check off. That's right. Uh, that that would be amazing. You know, I, I'm hoping the Forbidden Door event really opens up the relationship between AEW and, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that is uh, definitely a set of tag team titles we uh, we covet. We would definitely love to have. And also on June the 18th, we are going to AAA. You know, they have a little bit of a working relationship with uh, All Elite Wrestling as well. And uh, the AAA tag team titles actually are held by the Revival now, as well as the Ring of Honor tag team titles. So those are uh, also some tag team championships we would be looking to once again win the ROH titles and for a first time win the AAA titles. Let's talk about FTR for a second here. They had a match against each other on Dynamite last week. And I know you were super all about that match. I thought it was exceptional. What did you make of that? You know, and I want to hear your take on this because tag team partners – when they fight one another, that doesn't guarantee that they're going to have chemistry because they, they don't face each other like that. They don't wrestle each other like that. I thought they put together a tremendous match. What do you think of it? Uh, I agree. I loved it. I mean, they, they just went all out. And, and I, I, I know those guys were under the assumption that this was probably going to be a one and done. So this was their only opportunity to do this. And they weren't going in separate. Uh, they weren't going in separate directions. You didn't have one guy that was turning into a, a bad guy, or one guy turning into a good guy, or you know, doing a, a total split and having different character changes. So it was basically just a match about two guys who know each other so well, and they go out and have a kick-ass, badass wrestling match, and that's exactly what they did. I loved it. I was a big fan, and, and it, I'm very. I, I say this all the time. I love classic wrestling. You know, there, there's a lot of diehard fans nowadays who watch AEW that are sports centric that really like, that's all they want is like, I want great wrestling. And those guys give great wrestling and they're very much about that. Me on the other hand, I love all different facets of the wrestling industry. I love the sports entertainment stuff. I love the larger than life stuff. I love the super entertaining Orange Cassidy stuff, you know? So, so I'm a little bit of everything, but I do at my core love pro wrestling when it is just excellent, great, tremendous pro wrestling. And that's what those guys did. They, uh, they, uh, they tore the house down in that match. They've been doing a lot of homages to the likes of Bret Hart and yeah. Owen Hart. And yeah. another guy doing that right now is CM Punk. Uh-huh. And he is officially announced as the main eventer for Double or Nothing against Hangman Page. What have you thought of Punk's recent run in the last couple of months where he's putting on these matches where he's clearly paying homage to all these other wrestlers that have paved the path for him? I think it has been really, really good. And and for me personally, uh, I'm happy to see Punk back in wrestling. I mean, I I think CM Punk is just a fantastic pro wrestler. And I I feel like he he belongs in pro wrestling. And, you know, I I give him all the credit in the world for venturing out and doing MMA, UFC. That was amazing. I I wouldn't have done it, even if I felt like I could have. You know, I I wouldn't have been that brave or courageous. It, It took a lot of courage for him to do that. But I'm happy he's back in pro wrestling. Because I feel like when it comes to pro wrestling, that is just what he is built for. That is what he's made for. And he's one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time. And for him to come back to AEW and be happy and and once again be fueled by such great passion and to have this great program with MJF and also write these love letters to the the legends who kind of paved the way for for him and all of us, I, I think it's been great. And, and, and Punk just seems like he's very happy to be back, which is nice. I know towards the end of his WWE run, he was just – 
burnout and, and miserable. And it, and it is easy for that to happen to you in this industry, uh, in this industry, especially if you end up in a very weird space. So it's great to see him back and relaxed and, and passionate and really in love with pro wrestling again. He may have done MMA, but you boxed Evander Holyfield one time. I'd like mm-hmm. to remind you about that. So yeah, at least at least ours was uh, at least ours was entertainment. <laughs> well, I actually added that to our calendar this year, our schedule. So I'm excited to talk about that. Well, I've, I've got I've got I've got some good stories on on that as well. That should be a great one, and I got some great stories this past weekend because I got to ride with Gangrel. Oh boy, an indie show, and there were two things. First off. I hope he didn't. I hope he didn't uh, give out all the dirt on me. Well, no, he actually like tried to bite my neck, and I had to just kind of feed him off a little bit because you know he's a vampire. So um, I don't know. you would get immortality, John. Your hair would look great forever then, buddy. I this <laughs> hair it really gets to you. Yeah. Yeah. You're selling it really big. Well, here's here's why it gets to me. You know. <laughs> Um, so I was traveling last week when I was coming to you and I didn't have access to my traditional hair equipment. I was using my headphones earlier, so it like kind of flattened my hair and then we taped. And uh, I guess it kind of looked like I had a sun visor thing going on. And the comment that stood out to me was from someone who goes, I dislike Matt Hardy now more because of the guy that he's with hair. So I just from the bottom of my heart would like to apologize to you for the emotional trauma that I've inflicted on you. <laughs> through uh, my bad hair day, my one bad hair day that I had. And it's making me very emotional. Um, and do you apologize for me? It sounds like you cost me a fan. Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> and, that's, and that's money. So <laughs> um, no, but uh, Gangrel was super great, man. He was awesome. And he just told me to remind you personally, he made it very clear to remind you that he was the one who left Michael Hayes on the ground with that headbutt at that Outback Steakhouse. Oh yeah. Oh, well, we remember vividly. Uh, myself and Jeff and Edge and Christian, the youngest four of this group, we had uh, six people out at Outback one night. Uh, it was myself, Jeff, Adam, Jay, along with uh, Dave, with Gangrel, and with Michael Hayes. And then right towards the end of the night, uh, Michael turned into what we call the beer wolf. Is after he had a few too many to drink, a few too many beers. And his hair would get big, almost like broken mat. You know, it would go from being pulled back in a ponytail to being big. And he would transform into the beer wolf. So, you know, beer, you know werewolves, and vampires, they're like natural enemies, as we all know from the Twilight series. So Gangrel, the vampire, and the bear wolf, they were natural enemies, too. And they got outside. They were going back and forth. Michael done something to, to Gangrel's car, rental car, while he was out there. And then uh, the next thing you know, they're in a, in, a, in a headbutt competition. And they're headbutting back and forth. They're split open. They're bleeding. And Dave almost knocked Michael Hayes off the mountain. Uh, we're on this outback that is resides on a hill outside of Pittsburgh. And uh, he almost knocked him off this little hill, this mountain we were on. And we actually had to grab Michael and pull him on and stop him from being falling down the hill. So it, it was a, it was a pretty wild story, especially once they got they got very aggressive and they were uh, they were ready to throw down and, and lock horns and fight for real. So yes. we, we had to break it up. These uh, these young kids had to uh, calm down these old timers. That whole story is available in our Michael P.S. Hayes episode in the archive. Go check that out wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> but he was such a great guy and he put you over so big. So uh, we'll, we'll have to get Gangrel on, on the show at some point. Oh, yeah. He's the best, man. So much love. What's up, Dave? All the love in the world for Gangrel, man words that any man could hear i knew you'd come (laughs) are you looking to take your gimmick from broken to woken well lucky for you this episode of the extreme life of matt hardy is brought to you by blue chew 
I know a lot of wrestling fans have plenty of bravado when it comes to sharing opinions on Twitter. But what about when it comes to stepping up to the plate in the bedroom? That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. Now, if you're like me and you're always on the road or you're at work at different hours every day, no problem. You can take them on a moment's notice. And then what do you know? Things are about to get extreme. And the process is incredibly easy. Sign up at bluechew.com and consult with one of their licensed medical providers. Once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And all those confidence problems will soon become obsolete. The best part is it's all done online. You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy and you can spend your free time creating poetry in motion rather than having awkward conversations about your ladder breaking before you can get it set up. Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. House Hardy has grown in size quite a bit over the years. That's because I know the importance of taking the twist of fate into your own hands rather than letting yourself become a whisper in the wind. V1 of your sex life may not have been great, but V2 can be. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you have our promo code HARDY at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code HARDY to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring our podcast. All right, man, we're talking about old timers and paying homage to the greats. This was your idea. We had a different episode playing this week, but you said, John, you know what? I think we got to do an Owen Hart episode, and I'm never going to shy away from talking about Owen Hart. Since, uh, May is Owen Hart month. Uh, it's the month he was born. It's also the month he passed. And AEW right now doing this big tournament honoring his legacy. And uh, some reports indicating he might even be in the AEW video game coming up soon, which is cool. There's a lot of good stuff with Owen Hart, and he is a legend, man. So normally with this show, I have a bunch of notes, and we go through time by time by time. But this week, I, I just kind of want to talk to you about Owen Hart and just interview you about your experiences with Owen Hart. So with that said, Matt Hardy, hit us with that Matt fact. Matt fact, Matt has been a victim of an Owen Hart rib. Yeah, we got like 45 questions. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did he ever get ribbed by you or, or did you rib him or whatever? So we're going to talk about all I, that here. I, I feel like Owen Hart is probably the most infamous ribber in the history of the business. You know, that is what he was known for more than anything else. Like he, he, he never got in trouble. He never was arrested. He never fucked up. <laughs> he was just known for his ribs. He's a family guy who ribbed a lot. So that was kind of his gig. That's awesome. Well, you had a handful of matches against Owen over the course of your young career as you were just getting your feet wet you know, on the big stage in professional wrestling. But let's turn the clocks back a little bit before that. What is your first exposure to Owen Hart? Um, whenever the Blue Blazer performed at WrestleMania, 
I'm not even sure of the exact number. It may have been a, a five, a six, something along those lines. Uh, I remember just seeing the Blue Blazer, and you know, he did a very athletic, acrobatic style match, and that was very appealing to myself and Jeff at the time, who were just we just became hooked on wrestling after WrestleMania four and Macho Man won the title. So this was early on in our in our love for pro wrestling. So that was really, I feel like that, that in my memory, that is the first instance of really knowing. That was a performer who ended up being Owen Hart, and we loved his performance. And it yeah, was WrestleMania Five. Thank you, Dom. WrestleMania Five. Uh, that's so. That's right after you guys really start to get hooked onto pro wrestling yeah. and part of your fabric at that point. Uh, I imagine when I watch Owen, Jeff probably really resonated with him. Is that an accurate statement? I, I think so. I, I mean, we both loved the original debut of the blue blazer, because I feel like too, at that point, when he came back later on, he was a little bit more of a comedy character in, in a lot of ways with the things he was doing. But when he first came out, it was like he was a Japanese wrestler or luchador and, and just wrestled a very unique style for WWE, WWE at the time. And, but also he was taken very serious and I, we loved the stuff he did. And I'm sure it resonated with Jeff very strongly. Owen's work back then. It, I, I always talk about how wrestling has evolved over the years. I actually just had a really long talk last night as we record this with some of our ad free shows fans. I did a little last gal late at night on zoom. And um, we were talking about like how wrestling evolves mm -hmm. and the, the young bucks got brought up and they were just like, man, I just, I just hate how like they're just throwing super kicks. It used to mean something, all that stuff. And I said, well guys, you know, the thing is wrestling changes to where super kicks now are not what they used to be. It's just how it is. We, we have to accept that that super kicks are no longer the finishing move that they used to be. So when I watch Owen Hart stuff from early in his career, Matt, uh -huh. I see him throwing a, a, a running drop kick or a, a roundhouse kick coming off an Irish whip. Mm -hmm. And it's such transitional stuff for us today in wrestling. But back then, not a lot of people were doing shit like that. And the pops he'd get were tremendous. I, I mean, back back then, too, I mean, wrestling was was – for bigger guys that kind of uh, really slowly moved around the ring. They did a lot more entertainment aspects. I mean, for instance, Hulk Hogan was kind of like the guy during that time, especially in WWE. And if you look at his wrestling style, it was a very basic deal, but he was this larger than life character that had this great charisma, uh, did the whole American gimmick, eat your vitamins, trained, do the whole gig. But, but I mean, that was the deal. If you look at that style, Compared to today's style, you can understand why guys like Owen stood out. And the little bit they did, of course, if a guy does something that is a, a cool move or something very impactful, like a super kick, as Sean used as his finish, in the beginning, I mean, wrestling continued to open up and become bigger and faster. And the, the size of the guys got smaller and more athletic. And it was more about, we don't necessarily care if you're like this great, charismatic, larger-than-life performer. We want to see you bust ass and have this high work rate and this badass match as far as in the ring. And that's kind of where wrestling went to. So, obviously, with that change, that means the the moves change, too. And and a lot of them are diminished in value, such as a super kick. Yeah. So, when Owen kind of starts to do his own stuff on the WWF main stage... I have to imagine that's when you really start to recognize, okay, this is who this guy is, and he's not under the mask anymore, not under the costume. What's your first match that you remember watching Owen be Owen in and being like, wow, that guy can go? 
Uh, I remember when he first showed up as as Owen Hart and as Brett's brother, and we we got the the backstory of the whole Hart family and uh, you know Stu Hart's dungeon and everything else, and just the build to the WrestleMania 10 match, you know, with Brett Brasil one, which was a big deal for Jeff and I, because we realized at this time, you know, that these guys are legitimate blood brothers and uh, they're getting to have this match and this rivalry. And this is something we would love to do one day at a WrestleMania. So that, that's the first time I remember really being in, impacted by the actual just Owen Hart character in general. Did you and Jeff, when you were kids, pick sides like Brett versus Owen, like as brothers fighting, did you side with one versus the other? No, I, we liked them both, but we always wanted Owen to win more. We always felt like Owen never got the credit he deserved. You know, when it, when it came to Brett, we loved Brett. I mean, Brett was amazing, and we were huge fans of them both, but we always wanted, you know, Owen to, to get more credit because especially when he was a heel, we loved how he was, as you know, over the top and just loud and obnoxious, especially after meeting him, you know, a little later. He was just such a, ni- uh, such a nice kind soul. You know, we, we loved his persona we wanted more for Owen we, Owen's one of those guys we would have loved to have seen be world champion it just you know was never in the cards it didn't happen but it is what it is you know Owen was the uh, secret sauce Matt Hardy I mean he he, he, he was very special I mean uh, those guys were both so incredible and and they were both great in in very different ways as well but they were they were both fantastic you know performers Owen's charisma when he was allowed to just be himself and do his thing very few people could touch that uh, there were different stages of his career where he had to be a little more reserved or uh, maybe mm-hmm. he didn't seem as into something as he, he would have been. But when he was Owen Hart, it, it just larger than life. I mean, my favorite stuff with him, I, you can see the Emmy back there. My whole idea of bringing that into my wrestling character was the Owen and the Slammies. I mean, how genius was that stuff and, and bringing the two trophies out to ringside? That's so great. It was. It was great. And I mean, there were I, I rewatched one of the matches I had worked against him. And it was the second time I worked against him where I'm wearing the blue tights uh, from 95, I think. And I know there's a point where he like sits on my back and grabs me like in a chin. Like he said, you look like Brett. You remind me of Brett. I mean, just the, the things he would say were just just so obnoxious and just so like, oh, my God, like, it, please shut up. You know, like someone that's a casual fan, like, just shut up. Stop being obsessive over your brother. And in a lot of ways, I can relate to Owen in, in, in many ways, as far as having this brother who's like this kind of phenomenon who did get it all, you know, and the other guy's still really good and important part of the puzzle, you know, the secret sauce, so to say. But, you know, he really breaks out when you allow him to shine, such as me doing, you know, Mattitude or version one. Talking about the WrestleMania 10 feud, um, did you guys draw from that when you and Jeff feuded? I, I don't know. We didn't. Uh, there was some similarities as far as maybe Owen being the jealous brother, which which we were kind of doing as well, you know, with Jeff always being historically more popular than I am. Uh, we didn't necessarily draw from that just because our circumstances were very different. In the way that Angle was being booked, it was just like I went out of my way to, like, sabotage my brother and, like, end his career, you know, hurt him. All these accidents started happening and whatnot. So I feel like our story was a little different. It didn't quite uh run a parallel to that one so so we really didn't draw inspiration from that match but there definitely are some similarities in what we're doing as far as the the issue between us what do you remember about that especially the wrestlemania 10 match and i think many consider it to be if not they they say it's one of if not the greatest opening match in wrestlemania history um and owen gets the rub he gets the moment yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's the that's the biggest thing that, that we were super happy for Owen whenever that happened and, and he got that win. And once again, they 
they did a great job of like Owen was the hill. He was the bad guy and, and he used some, some tactics, but really overall it was a badass wrestling match. I mean, if memory serves me correct, I mean, they really went out and they like tore the house down in like a badass heart family pro wrestling match. And, and it was, it is definitely one of the greatest matches ever. I remember that match and the ladder match just are the two things that stood out on that WrestleMania does. Yeah. Well, and then keep in mind the end of the night, Brett wins the championship yeah. and you get this incredible visual of the entire yeah. babyface locker room holding Brett up and Owen, the jealous brother who got one up earlier in the night on Brett has to watch his brother celebrate. And that's that long form storytelling, right? That you and I talk about all the time on this podcast. Yeah. And that, that's a good point. I'm, I'm glad you even brought that up because that had slipped my memory. I'd forgotten that that happened, but that, that was amazing storytelling because you have that moment. And even speaking for myself, where like you overcome your brother, the biggest obstacle in your career and you finally beat him, And now it's your time to shine. And then of course he outshines you at the very end and you're still kind of stuck in that hole of being the jealous, you know, brother who like wants more. I'll get you, you know, it's like you're the villain just waving their arm at the hero at the end. Enough is enough! (laughs) And the truth is the truth. Uh, Well, let's talk about your interactions with Owen. When when did you first meet Owen? We first met Owen the very first time we were there, which was uh, early in 1994, May 1994. First time we just interacted with him and, and spoke to him. And that was shortly right after WrestleMania 10, too. But he was always very friendly from day one. He was very friendly to everyone he interacted with. So uh, that that also reinforced, like, man, we like this guy. Because on top of being this tremendous performer, he was also very nice to us when we were there in person. Well, you got to wrestle him a handful of times. Uh, July 2nd, 1994 was the first time that was the wrestling challenge taping in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Uh, I had a chance to send you these matches. I'm sure this was probably your first time watching these matches in a long time. Uh, What do you remember about your first time getting in there with Owen? What were your nerves like? This guy is world renowned as one of the best workers ever. And you're not even two full years into your wrestling career at this point, locking up with Owen Hart. Right. Uh, we were very excited to wrestle Owen. Both Jeff and I were. We were hoping we would get him because he was always really kind to the extras. Being a smaller guy, and and I felt like he had a an advanced knowledge of the business, and, and I felt like he always tried to give them something if he thought they were good, if they, he thought they were talented guys. And, and that's why we were always very excited to hope we would get Owen if we were ever going there to 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 work against someone because we're like, oh man, he's going to give us something. We're going to shine just for a minute or two, uh, for a moment. A funny story about that first match. You'll see the first match that we had there in 94. There's a point where he grabs me in like a waist lock and does a takedown. Boom. And slams you on the mat. And you see me like scurry over to one of one of the ropes. And then he like stops me. Then I turn uh, and do like a 90 degree angle turn to the next ropes. And I scurry and I get to the ropes there. Very funny story about that uh, to play off the math that we did earlier. So this whole spot. When I talked to him, he said, oh, cool. Yeah, we have a match tonight. You know, what, what can you do? He said, what's a cool cool move you can do? How can we highlight you? Whatever. And we talked about that. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I did a, a backflip over him. And then he ended up spin kicking my head off at the very end of the match. This was the finish, uh, if, if I am thinking about the correct match. But I know this is the match where he did that takedown. And he had me scramble, uh, scramble one way towards the ropes. And I had to turn to the right, scramble again. He said, I want to go over a spot because I think it's going to make you look really good and really strong. And I'll never forget we're in the Stable Arena in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Uh, we go backstage and he has a, a canvas, like a canvas you would cover up stuff with if it's going to rain. He has this canvas laid out and it's probably 16 by 16. It's a square, right? He said, let's pretend like this is the ring. He said, I want to practice 
on this idea. He said, so like, say this is the ring and I grab you in a waist lock. And he said, just get down on all fours. And it's concrete underneath this little canvas. So he said, get down on all fours. He said, I want you to scramble real hard this way. And then when I stop you, turn and go 90 degrees to your left, scramble real hard there. And then when I stop you, scramble hard 90 degrees again. And I said, oh, okay, we'll do it. And I thought, cool. He wants to like go over this and like holler me, give me a good spot. And he grabs me and he runs. Oh, he's all right, turn. I turn, oh, boom, I turn. I turn one more time and we do it all four steps. He said, that was really good. That was really good. He said, let's try it again. I was like, damn, this is hurting my knees, man. It's on the concrete. Like, why are we doing this? He said, let's try it one more time. He said, I think you've almost got it. And then we go again, boom, boom, boom. And it's like, oh, I said, yeah, man, I got it. I was like, oh, it's like hurting my knees and hands. So I was doing it. We're on the concrete. And then he said, ah, oh, let's just go over a couple more times. I really want to know. Let's make sure it's good. And we did it five times. And then the fifth time I said, like, are you fucking with me? He said, Oh, yes, yes. Thank you for finally saying it. He said, oh, my God. And then he just died laughing. He just had like this, this sweetheart little laugh like a, like a child, you know. <laughs> and that, literally, he just had me doing that over and over where he was just standing up above me and having me crawl like a maniac on the concrete until I like acknowledged that he was ribbing me. So that, that was that was one of my first uh, very personal interactions with Owen. So that era, you you mentioned it a few weeks ago on the podcast. It's kind of like an outlaw era, right? Like some really dangerous shit would happen among boys in the locker room. Or no, no I mean, uh, pro, pro wrestling was like the Wild West. There were yeah. like no rules, and, and 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 it was just really it was a very a very unhealthy culture still at that time, you yeah. know. And, and and that's why you know you had so many of those guys that were going so hard on different things, and plus their schedules were outrageous too, you know. But that's why there were so many young deaths in pro wrestling too. Well, so that's my point. Like it's the Wild West. All this crazy shit is happening. Uh-huh. The ribs that guys are pulling on each other. And for those of you who don't know what a rib is, I'm sure most people in the audience do. But if you don't, it's you're, you're basically just pulling a prank on each other. Yeah. Um, most of the ribs being pulled at that time are pretty fucking mean. Like, like they're people are shitting in each other's bags. They're stealing medication. They're harassing people you know it's like all those hazing shit stories you hear about like college recruits recruitment for sororities and fraternities and taken up to 12 and for that to be a rib out of owen's playbook it seems like he was much more even keeled and mindful of people even when he was having fun with them yeah i mean he, he was he was one of the guys like one of the few that just was really all around considered a good guy. He got along with everybody in the dressing room. Everybody liked him. Nobody disliked him. He didn't have any heat. Uh, but once again, he was uh, straight up. He, he didn't drink. He didn't do pills. He didn't take drugs. Uh, he was just a very decent person. He was a family man. And I remember he always talked co- regularly about, especially once we were there and we worked with him, we were both in a contract once we were on the same level to a degree about how much he would love to get home to his family or his kids or like what's going on in his personal life. I mean, that was very important to him where a lot of those guys, you know, at that time were just all into honoring the, you know, the old traditions of pro wrestling, which is very antiquated, especially in today's society. You know, Owen just wasn't one of those guys, which was very refreshing too at the time. What do you remember him saying to you after that first match? I, I remember he complimented some of the stuff athletically that I did. And, and he also gave me some tips about just different things to work on, which, which we needed. And he was one of the guys, sometimes you would work guys and they would just be like, yeah, thanks for that. And then they, they wouldn't give you any feedback or they, they, they didn't care. 
you know. But Owen did. He always cared. He'd always say, like, oh, uh, you could do this, you know, and as opposed to setting so early on that backdrop, just do it at the very last minute and make sure you put your hand down like you're going to do it as, as opposed to just, like, dropping your head down. He, he would give a little insight into things that would help your game, and that's that's how it is in pro wrestling. Like, if you do indies for a long time, you, you'll kind of, like, level off because you don't really work with people who are better than you. And I feel like Jeff and I, we had started to level off like 94, 95, 96 until we started working, you know, more WWE guys, especially in in longer matches. And that's where we learned more. And then once we got to WWE and signed our contract and then got to work with, you know, these great tag teams and also guys like, you know, Stone Colds and Triple H's and Undertakers. I mean, once you work with the guys that are on the very top level, that's where you learn the most, especially when they, they share insight with you. So, I mean, you have to work with people better than you to improve in pro wrestling. That's That was uh, one of the blessings of us being able to go to WWE right from the jump as opposed to starting somewhere else in an ECW or some other promotion. Well, that's why I was really interested to hear your insight on Owen Hart because a lot of the existing podcasts, including those on Conrad's network, are with people who were his equals. You know, they, they were the same age as him. They came yeah. up with him, or maybe they were even older than him, and they saw his career develop from afar. You're coming up and watching Bret Hart looking up at him. Uh, Bret Hart and Owen Hart. You're watching both of them. Right. And you're not an equal standing peer at that point. So I, I think it's really cool to hear how giving he was um, and and kind, because that goes a really long way. And I know that's how you are. And this is not me kissing your ass, but I know that's how you are with a lot of talent now where you work with them and, and you like right. to talk to them and give feedback and have those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, there, there's guys I just uh, that it's so funny. There were two guys that actually contacted me, the, the dark tapings, which we weren't on. Two of the guys that I, I worked with recently who just like said, hey, I have a question. I have to do this promo. And somebody said, hey, I have this match. What do you think I should do as the finish? You know, I was very happy to give my buzz back and and give them my insight and give them, you know, what I thought would be best for them. And they were like, oh, thank you so much. It's so cool that you, you buzzed me back because my deals, I got to do it in like 30 minutes. So thank you for, for hitting me back, <laughs> which, which I'm, I'm, I'm big on doing that. And I'm really big on, on giving back. And I love working with people, uh, you know, new people around the U.S., you know, in this uh, yeah. final run that we're doing, all these indie shows, like, you know, guys will ask me, like, can you watch my match? Can you do this? And a lot of times I don't have the time to, but if I do have a time to look at clips or, watch anything that they do show, I will give them my honest feedback and I'll, I'll, I'll try and be as upfront with them as I can to what I think they could do to, to better their game. I want to make this clear. You said final run. I'm going to give you an opportunity to get this out there on this platform because you and I were talking about last week. Yeah. Final run does not mean the Hardy boys are retiring next month. Everyone that is, that is not what is happening here. Can we make that clear, Matt Hardy? Sure. I mean, we really think uh, Jeff loves it here at AAW. We think this is going to be where we end our in-ring careers at AAW. And we do want to go around the indie scene and work as many things as we can. We really want to submit our legacy as being one of the one of the greatest tag teams ever. That's very important to us. So when we say final run, we are assuming as a tag team, we're going to wrestle out the rest of our careers here at AAW and also do some indies and stuff. So I don't know how long this is going to last. Hopefully it lasts for a while, but uh, it's, it's also motivation. If we're going to be in your town uh, at some local promotion, uh, a territory, it's a, it's a good opportunity to come out and see us because I don't know how many more of these we're going to do. But we're going to do as many as we can until we can't do it anymore. So you're not going to be the Rock and Roll Express in your mid-60s? Doing swantons? No, I, 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 don't think that, I don't think that'll be us. I, when I'm in my mid-60s, I'm going to be the, the wheel man for uh, King Maxwell, Lord Woofy, and Zarbar. The Italian Stallion. 
reborn. Taking taking those fees from them damn Hardy Boys. Um, all right, man. So that's awesome. Owen's super given to you. You have a chance to work him more than a year later in Salisbury, Maryland on Superstars. Um, what's interesting is that he comes from the Heart Dungeon, one of the most prestigious training schools in the history of professional wrestling. You're coming from the backwoods of North Carolina, bouncing off trampolines with Coming no from the backyard. Training. No formal training at this point. <laughs> you know, you've locked up with first name Sham, last name Payne, but now you're locking up with Owen Hart again. So, how did your skill set develop in between that time, and uh, did it aid you in the second match against Owen? Uh, yeah, I think all during this time, especially when we were coming with the Italian staying in George South, we had to work all their events. So every Friday, Saturday, uh, I was going to college at this point and, uh, I would go to college. I would leave early on Friday. We would go make our booking wherever it was. And typically it was in like North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, somewhere in that area. So we would do all these shows. And, and one thing I have to give great credit to Italian staying in George South for, even though, they, they, they did take that wee fee, that large charge from us of $100 out of every 150 we made when we go up north to Titan Sports, to New York, brother. Um, we, we did learn so much doing their shows. Obviously, we didn't get paid, but like we got paid in knowledge. Like we learned uh, some psychology. We learned how to call things on the fly. And, and, and that stuff is invaluable in many ways. So, so that was our trade-off. And even when I see George South nowadays, I always interact with them, have a great relationship with them. Uh, I'm I'm all down with George South. It's always great to see him around the the indie scene, and he's always so so cool. Every time I'm on a show that he's on, he comes up and he says, "Thank you so much for the house, Matt. I appreciate that. I did so good at my gimmick table tonight because of you. Thank you so much, brother." And he's very kind when it comes when it comes to that, you know. So like, I just look back at that being our time to cut our teeth when we were with Stallion and George South, and just getting that training and learning the terminology and the psychology, even though we were paying them. Uh, you know, that, that fee from WWE bookings, uh, we were also receiving something and getting knowledge about wrestling. So that, that is kind of where we first started growing. And then once we got able to be booked at WWE on our own, myself and Jeff, Jason Arndt and Marty Garner, first name Sham, last name Payne, Sham Pizzle, once the four of us would go up there on our own, then we really got more opportunities to work like some dark matches and, and we got some some more featured matches and we got more time. And then guys actually shared their stuff with us a lot more because during 1997, they said, look, guys, we're going to do something with you. We're going to sign you. Uh, they were talking about the meeting today. Jake the Snake actually did that because uh, I know you just did Jake the Snake's podcast recently. He had a trial run as a producer in WWF at the time. And he told us, he said, yeah, I'm probably not supposed to say this. I don't know about this, this gig, though. He said, they said they're going to do something with you guys and sign you. So they want you guys to, to make sure keep coming around and keep working in these. They want you guys to get better because they eventually want to do something with you. And we thought he might be bullshitting us, but like lo and behold, four or five months later, they did, they offered us deal. So that's pretty cool. So the second match you have with him is more than a year later. You're, yeah. You've got a little more seasoning under your belt here, working some more indies. Uh, what did you make of the second match? I, uh, I I thought the second match was good. I really worked hard and I sold better for them. Uh, sold better for Owen, I thought. But also, I, I oversold some things too. Like looking back in hindsight now, I just watched that match back. Like if you notice when he gives me those European uppercuts, oh my god! Like I arch back over the ropes, almost like I'm gonna go flying out of the ring. You know, I took it like I I took it from you know. Uh, who, who like Brock Lesnar, <laughs> you know, that's like how you'd sell Brock Lesnar strike. I think that wasn't necessarily how, I don't think I should have sold it that big for Owen, but, it, but it was good. I, and I liked it. And I liked my aggression uh, as far as selling. I was a lot more crisp 
you know, a lot more explosive in the way I sold. Like when he hit me with the enziguri, like I really took a nosedive into the mat. And you could tell at that point, like I was starting to get like how this industry works. So that match was fun once again. And he gave me a couple more spots. I, I, he gave me another backflip in that where I, I landed on my feet and he went underneath me. But it was fun, man. Just working with Owen was just, just such a pleasure. On that same taping, Jeff gets to work his first match with Owen, and that's on Monday Night Raw. What do yeah. you remember about their match and his experience working with Owen? Uh, I, I, re I remember it was good as well. And I remember, if I'm not mistaken, Jeff took the bonsai drop because that's when Owen and Yokozuna were doing their thing too. And and Yoko liked Jeff and I, which was very cool and fortunate. He was one of those guys, kind of like Rikishi, right? He's like this big boss, and he was a real big badass, especially uh, as far as the Samoans go. He was like the end-all uh in boss right so he uh he liked jeff and i and i remember jeff said he took super good care of him on that bonsai drop because just depending on how much he liked you that kind of depended on how good or how not good he would take care of you on that bonsai drop yeah and that's that's another great story you know those those ooses man they uh they they were they were the brothers in your statement about rikishi and his delightful buttocks uh really yeah. put this podcast on the map so uh, i'm not gonna ask you about yoko's because i feel like that one might have been a little different but um yeah man so that's great so you get good feedback from owen after you work with him here yeah yeah once again i mean he, he was really he was like oh man like you, you you know thank you for selling so big for me you know he, he he was he was great and always he he also had a special bond with myself and jeff and and brett did too brett was a lot more closed off at that time because that's when brett was starting to get ready for his bigger runs and whatnot. He was kind of to himself. He was kind of looked more as the, as the top guy, obviously, but Owen was always like circulating in the locker room and catering, whatever it may be. Owen was always like there and, and he would always converse with us and whatnot and speak to us and, and liked us. But both Brett and Owen both revealed that they really hoped we did well because they saw a similar, a, a very similar bond between myself and my brother uh, as theirs with those guys being brothers. Yeah, let's talk about Bret Hart for a second. So Bret is really on the rise at this point. He's about to get his big championship program with Shawn Michaels. And then we know in 97, he has the big heel run, the Hart Foundation, all the stuff to do with Canada. Then the Montreal Screwjob happens. There's a lot of ground covering here, but Owen changes a lot during that time too. What do you remember about that two to three year period with the Hart brothers? Um, I remember I loved whenever they did the Heart Foundation stuff. I was such a big fan of that. And I love seeing Owen treated like it was because it was treated as a top act. And it was so great to see Owen on that level as a top act. And Brett was just incredible whenever he like embraced Canada and just like literally like I'm going to be a proud Canadian uh, who is like not fond of the U.S. And, and that whole angle was amazing. It was so realistic and so good. And one thing. I am so happy of, and, and I talk about this nowadays, like I'm so happy that the Owen Hart tournament is happening at AAW and, and like it, we're really going to celebrate his life and legacy. And I'm so happy that Owen Hart is getting his flowers, so to say. And also with this CM Punk love and FTR love, you know, celebrating Bret, Hart career, Bret Hart's career. I'm so happy Bret Hart is getting his flowers because like I was a huge fan of like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And I would always say this to Jeff. I said, Jeff, I know you are very flashy and flamboyant. I feel like you're more of the Shawn Michaels and I'm more like Bret Hart. I'm just fundamentally a little more solid, you know, when it comes to that as far as wrestling perspective. So I love both of those guys. A lot of people are very much like, I'm a Bret Hart guy. I'm a Shawn Michaels guy. But, you know, I, I really had a huge respect for both of them. But I thought Bret had some of the most realistic um, sports-like pro wrestling ever. 
he was just amazing in his craft. And I'm so happy to see Bret Hart getting his flowers and 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 really being honored like the legend he is. And and he's really beloved today. And I feel like there's a point where Bret Hart said he's really proud of his legacy because nowadays kids in 2022, they don't wrestle like Hulk Hogan. They wrestle like Bret Hart. And I, I think that's real cool and real badass. And that makes me uh that makes me proud for Bret. Were you guys present when the screw job happened? No, uh, we weren't there. We weren't at, at uh, in Montreal, but we were there shortly thereafter. And I remember it was a, a, a very diverse. It, it was very it, it was divisive. It was a very divisive thing in WWE at that time. A lot of people were very split on it and it created a lot of tension. Do you remember anything about Owen's demeanor or attitude changing during that time? I don't know. I, I remember there was a, a big surprise whenever he showed back up and this when he was the Blackheart. When he, yeah, he, he, he was gone for a while, uh, and, and I, I, I don't know what the details of all that is, but I do know that whenever he showed back up and we ended up working with him again, once again, he was just uh, just the utmost professional. Yeah, yeah. He was never quite presented the same way in WWE after that. Um, I, we'd be remiss if we didn't even talk about uh, the stuff with Austin and the Owen 316 shirts. And right. I, I feel like that heel work, was something that any heel can learn from because sure. man, leaning into real life and mm-hmm. drawing off of that, you've done that many times during the course of your yes. career. Uh, what did you think of that little run that he had with Austin? I, I mean, it was, it was, it was great. Uh, you know, it just, I, I, looking back in hindsight, it just, it's terrible, you know, because Owen and, and Steve, I, I love both those dudes. Uh, they, they were both great guys. They were both great to me personally. Just the, the the whole incident happened with Steve and his neck. I feel like that kind of put a damper on everything. I, I wish in hindsight, you know, if we hadn't, if that hadn't happened, that, that would have changed a lot of things for both performers, I think. I, I agree with that. But at the same time, it also made Austin work a little more carefully. And his style paved way for him to become the Stone Cold that we all knew. You know, just get in there, brawl a little bit, play some of the greatest hits and talk a lot of trash. Right. And that doesn't happen without the neck injury. So obviously it's a it's a terrible circumstance, but uh, it allowed him to change his style and become Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, in the way that we knew. So it's it's one of those. I don't know. I, I, I've always looked at that incident as a, a weird dichotomy in, in how it kind of changed the path of wrestling. But um, Owen, Owen then kind of hangs around. He's doing a bunch of stuff that varies between babyface heel in the late 90s and you guys get to work with him twice more uh this time as tag teams first you work with him and jeff jarrett it's a dark match for sunday night heat in day in ohio on february 28th 1999 a few months before he passes mm-hmm. uh, what do you think of the tag team of jeff and owen we know over the years jeff and owen really grew very close together yeah. and i thought they worked very well together too I did too. I, th- I thought they were great as a team. Uh, they, they were very like-minded in the, in the way they worked and also the way they structured matches and also the way they would, you know, put over their opponents as well. So, and if I'm not mistaken, it's in that dark match. We actually defeated those guys, right? Yes. You defeated them in that dark match, which if I'm not mistaken, after that match, they were both so thrilled with it. And we were there and obviously we'd, we'd known Owen off and on, but now that we're there all the time working 10 days on and four days off, obviously we spend a lot of time with this guy, right? We're all together more than we are with our families at this, at this point. So I'm pretty sure after that match, uh, Owen and Jeff both pitched to Vince Russo and, and Vince McMahon and said, Hey, like, what if we take the, the Hardy boys and, and they defeat us? If we have the titles, they defeat us in a, uh, 
you know, in an upset match. We could win the back, whatever, but we think it would give them some credibility and these guys could be a, a great team for the for the tag team division. So I know later on, a little later, they ended up being the champions and, and, and they'd won the titles. But I know there was a point where they had pushed to put Jeff and I over like in an upset win to give us some credibility, which was cool. super cool. Very yeah, cool. That's very cool. And then you guys get a chance to work them one more time. It's a couple weeks later on Shotgun Saturday night. So truthfully, it was probably about a week later with the taping schedule. Right. And uh, they beat you guys to retain the tag team championship. Mm -hmm. It's a five-minute, ten-second match. Nothing too crazy, but uh, you guys get a little shine in the match, and you sell big for them. And uh, I thought it was a fun little match. I got a chance to watch it back. Yeah. Uh, it's available on uh, YouTube because, unfortunately, I don't believe Shotgun Saturday Night's on the Peacock archives right now. But uh, any recollections from your final time working with Owen and, and Jeff there? Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they were they were very easy to work with. And they were two of those guys, too, where sometimes if you work with guys when, when you're new, like Jeff and I were at that time, you know, they're very much demanding, like, you know, we want to do this, you know, A, B, C, D, and that's what we're going to do. How's that sound? Great. Okay, see you out there. You know, where they were more or less like, hey, what do you guys want to do? You know, it's just not like our style. Like, you know, you guys got some ideas. You know, they, they like ask for input, which was cool. Like, how, how do we think we could have a little match with them? How would it be? best to highlight us you know so so they were they were really cool and, and very constructive when it came to formulating a match together did you get a chance to watch that match back i did yeah i have watched that match back the, begin, the beginning with jim Cornette and michael cole like getting legit hot at each other is worth the price of admission alone <laughs> so go check that out guys um, so then, uh, unfortunately that leads us into the spring and, uh, Owen is doing the blue blazer gimmick again, but this time it's kind of with a comedic edge. Yeah. Uh, would you, would you make of him taking that on? I thought he was great doing the comedic side of it. I, I wish Owen was doing more because he was capable of doing more, Sure, but I still thought he, he rocked that and I thought he owned it. I mean, I, he, he did. And I think it once again, kind of showed how versatile Owen was, you know, because not only could he just be a serious wrestler to go out and have this kick-ass match he could also do the comedy aspect of pro wrestling and, and the entertainment aspect of pro wrestling afford anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls how to refine your mental models and how to think about how to think paula while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year it is far less likely than it is on thirty thousand dollars a year right i would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight it was a hundred percent you need to make more money make smarter choices and build a better life afford anything wherever you listen are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at savewithconrad.com. So when we pitched talking about this, I said to you, you know, Matt, um, if we're going to talk about Owen Hart, <clears throat> we do need to talk about the night that everything happened. Mm -hmm. And um, for the for those who are listening, you know, I, I don't really know the details of what we're going to get into here, but it, it's quite frankly, it's one of the darkest nights in the history of professional wrestling. And uh, it goes down at Over the Edge, May 23rd, 1999 in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. It is at the Kemper Arena and Owen Hart is scheduled, of course, to face the Godfather for the Intercontinental Championship. And during a vignette that's airing on the Titantron, the arena is a little darkened. 
the harness in which the blue blazer is supposed to descend from the rafters with releases early and it drops him more than 70 feet and he lands chest first on the top rope. Uh, the cameras do not show what's going on in the ring. Jerry Lawler rushes from the commentary table to the ring as EMTs are administering CPR and he returns and says that it doesn't look good. Uh, they end up cutting to a promo with Jeff Jarrett, who's clearly shaken, and he says thoughts and prayers are with Owen, and things are very much chaotic and being done on the fly here. Uh, you guys worked a dark match earlier that night, so you were done for the night at that point. Uh, but what are your recollections of the first warning sign that you heard that something went wrong? Mm, uh, that was a that was a brutal day, uh, and I, I remember it very vividly because. Two, we were real excited. It was our first opportunity getting a push. I remember we wrestled Goldust and Blue Meanie on the heat before that show. And I know Owen was scheduled to wrestle early in the night. We came back. We were going to St. Louis. We we're driving across the state. So Michael Hayes said, like, hey, let's get out of here. I want to get on the road after the pay-per-view gets started. So let's go back and shower, clean up. And uh, myself and Jeff, we had jumped in the shower in the dressing room. I remember we we're just finishing up showering. We crazy detail, but I remember just, I just washed my hair, just got like the shit in my eyes. And I remember Brian Christopher ran the shower and said, oh my God, did you guys hear about it? Did you, did you, Owen Hart just fell from the from the ceiling. I remember, I remember thinking, what? What do you mean he fell from the ceiling? And uh, Brian said, oh my God, he fell from the ceiling. I, I don't know, they're, they're gonna try and get him in the ambulance. I, I don't know, but it, it's crazy. It's a, it's a madhouse out there. Ooh, and I just remember my heart sinking. And I remember coming out, getting dressed quickly. And then we came out to try and see what was going on and like check on Owen, see if we could, we didn't know what his status was. We, we had no idea. We just knew he had fallen in some way, shape or form into the ring. And I remember we rushed out and there was a group of people. And then all of a sudden the stretcher came out and they had on him. He was, he was very covered up most of his body, oxygen, everything else. And I just remember seeing like his shoulder and his arm and it had like a, a, a a little light blue tint to it, which was so creepy and freaky. And they were putting him in the ambulance and that would be the last time that I'd see on heart. And, and, and it's crazy as it sounds. It's just like, there was a part of me that just thought like, thank God they got here so quick. They're rushing him off to the hospital. They're going to fix him. They're going to resuscitate him. He's going to be okay. And he'll, he'll be fine. I mean, yeah. I, there was this weird, eerie feeling that like he's going to be okay. They got here quick and he's going to go to the hospital. I mean, I didn't see it. Obviously I wasn't out there. I was showering right when this happened, you know, and we were just told about Brian Christopher. And then uh, I remember seeing him. He had the real strange tone to his skin. And then we got in the car with Michael Hayes. Michael was very upset about it. Everybody was very upset about it. And then we ended up leaving. So this is during the event you end up leaving during the event. We end up leaving. Okay. And then uh, we're on our way to St. Louis and we hadn't eaten in hours. And I'll never forget this moment. We, we stopped at the Lone Star Steakhouse out by the airport in Kansas City on our way out to St. Louis. And I remember we sit down, we order, and we, Jeff and I had just got our salads. Michael gets a call. And the call was that Owen Hart was dead, that he passed away at the hospital. We were sitting at Lone Star Steakhouse at the airport. And I'm just getting chills. And it, it just, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And it was just like, I remember my jaw dropping like, this, this can't be real. 
I mean, it, it, it was, he, he, he can't, he can't be dead. Like, it, it's just, it, it didn't feel real. I mean, it, it didn't feel real. And I remember we were just all so sad. And I remember we made that four hour drive and we were just, we were quiet the whole while. Just everybody was, we were just, we were at a loss. We were in shock and we couldn't believe that Owen Hart had passed away. I want to make it clear to people because, you know, some people will hear like, oh, you like left during the show, even with all that happening. Like that is not something that is uncustomary. Like guys, if they're done working for the night, like they'll often leave shows like that. That happens. It's not something that people stay for the entire show. I mean, it's 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 a regular thing. I mean, especially if you have a four hour drive uh, and you have to be up the next morning to to do stuff and yeah, do media, train, work out. Whatever. I mean, we go to work at noon or one o'clock every day, especially when we were on central time. So it's like, you know, go, go and get sleep because you have to get sleep to survive. If not, if you stay to the end of every show, yeah. you're gonna burn yourself out and you're going to be driving at four in the morning. I mean, so that's like a pretty customary thing, yeah. you know? So even like the guys who were main eventers at that time, they would usually come in later because they knew they were going to be there to the end of the night. So they would sleep in and show up later, whatever. But yeah, I mean, it was just, we were already getting ready to leave. And then just like, it just seemed like, uh, you know, business as usual. And, and I, I, we just, we just thought like there, there's no way on, it's not going to be okay. Did it feel weird leaving, not knowing what the situation was? Like, did you want to stick around and be like, Hey, like we got to wait for an update on Owen kind of thing. Well, I, I mean, we did like after they loaded him, we still, we stayed around probably 30 minutes, you yeah. know, but, but then eventually there, there was no update and you know, Michael's like, okay, come on, we got to go. Let's go. We got to get to this next town. Let's go. And then we stopped and he allowed us to, to eat somewhere. He was okay with that. And I just remember insanely vividly that call, getting that call and just how the expression on Michael Hayes's face changed and just how it was just such a downer and just so heartbreaking. What do you remember about the chaos backstage after it happened? Just, just people weren't sure of what happened. It, it was just people were running around, people were freaking out. Obviously, people were concerned, people were crying, people were upset, people were panicking. It was just just bedlam. It was a, just a very chaotic scene. And I remember we just walked up just in time as the stretcher was coming out, and and we got that one last glimpse of Owen before they rolled him out and put him in the uh, put him in the ambulance. It's, very, it, it's 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 very man. It's like. It's a, it's a vivid, I have a viv, vivid memory of it because it was so strong and so impactful on me, but also it's also very fuzzy. It's almost like a, a hard memory to try and bring back up and try and recall. Because well, here's this guy who's like this amazing pro wrestler, uh, just amazingly happy in life, does all the right things. This amazing family man who has kids, who loves his wife and kids more than anything else. And then he falls and then dies, which is just so heartbreaking i mean it, it, one of the things owen always said when we were there in some of our conversations with him he said always remember guys he said you guys are young in this business he said you never know how long it's going to last make sure to save your money uh because at the end of the day everything you're going to be doing is for your family and for your kids and and one of the reasons i i do this i just want to show this i mean owen was like such a family man i just took these off my bags this morning like i have these uh these little things which are on both of my luggages and uh, I, I, I 
do this all the time and, and tell my wife and kids this. And the whole reason I carry these things is just so that I remember I have to get home. I have to get home every week to those people. And like every decision I make is important to make to make sure that I get home to my children and to my kids. They're the, they're the most important thing. And then a lot of that, you know, I can relate to one with a lot of that because I know that that was his goal. No one loved their wife and their kids and their family more than Owen Hart did. And that, that makes this even all the more tragic. When we experience emotional trauma in life, like you just mentioned how it's like so vivid, but also cloudy at the same time, that stuff, it it sits with us. It sits in our head. Um, I I was not terribly far from the world trade center on nine 11. And like my, memory from that day is uber vivid i I remember every small detail that happened throughout that day Uh, but then there are some things that like i suppressed for 20 plus years until i went to the memorial for the first time uh this past september and then it all like came flooding back so seeing owen in that state i mean i imagine that's something that sits with you and, and and will sit with you forever whenever you associate with owen hart unfortunately um so I, I appreciate your vulnerability in talking about that. Um, do you know who it was that called Michael? Uh, I, I want to say it was Bruce Pritchard, but I'm not sure. It, it was somebody else, somebody else in the, the office in the office that yeah. he was close with. Yeah. Um, do you remember anyone who was particularly close with Owen that night and any reactions to what was happening? I remember Jeff Jarrett was uh, an emotional wreck that night. I, I remember seeing him and I knew they were, they were really close because, you know, we had, uh, we'd obviously, as we'd said, worked with them a couple of times and we always kind of interacted with them a little bit. We had a, had a good relationship with those two. So I know Jeff Jarrett was, uh, he was an emotional wreck. And I, and I think he probably, probably witnessed it a little more firsthand because he'd said too, they, he actually was sent out to. He got a promo in the back. He got a promo in the back and. Uh, well, um, let's get into this because we need to talk about this here. Um, multiple attempts at resuscitation were made after he got loaded up 13 minutes after arriving at the medical center, 33 minutes after the fall. All work on him was stopped. And at 8, 12 p.m. local time, he was pronounced dead at 34 years old. And an hour after the fall, God, 34 years old, it's just that insane, insane. And he had been around for so long. I think some people think he was a little older. He wasn't. Yeah. He was 34 years old. Um travesty absolute travesty an hour after the fall the night continues the show continues and kevin dunn gets in jim ross's ear and jim ross has talked about this on the grilling jr podcast and it's a really hard episode to get through but i highly recommend people listen to it um kevin dunn gets in his ear and says jim we're back in 10 owen hart passed away and i need you to announce it And uh, Jim Ross says, ladies and gentlemen, earlier tonight here in Kansas City, tragedy befell the World Wrestling Federation and all of us. Owen Hart was set to make an entrance from the ceiling and he fell from the ceiling. I have the unfortunate responsibility to let everyone know that Owen Hart has died. Owen Hart has tragically died from that accident here tonight. Uh, He keeps his composure. It's it's tremendous on-air work from Jim Ross to uh, who, keep in mind, was the head of talent relations at the time, too, and probably knew Owen very, very well. Uh, to keep his composure. But the bottom line here, Matt, is that the show has continued. And the show finishes. It stays on the air on pay-per-view after a 15-minute break. 
when did you find out that the show continued and what was your reaction to that? Um, I, I don't even really remember. I mean, I was just, I was kind of numb, I think overall. So like, I, I didn't give a shit about the show or if the show continued or didn't continue. I really didn't think about it, but just looking back in, in hindsight, like, wow. I mean, I guess that was, they were navigating in some uncharted territory, you know? So I, I, I don't know. Was it the right call? Was it the wrong call? I, I don't know. Uh, it's, I, I do remember uh, a couple months back, we actually had a conversation with the with the Young Bucks, and we were talking about this own thing. And, and if that happened nowadays in twenty twenty two, would a show be stopped? And I, and I think it would. I, I, I think it would have to be, you know. So I, I just I don't know. There, there's never been anything that's happened like that in the past, you know. So so I, I don't know. And, and it's really hard to like point the finger at anyone and say, you're wrong. Because I mean, they, they, everybody was kind of making it up on the fly. I mean, nobody really knew what they were doing. And, and I don't, I, I know personally, I, I didn't, I didn't think Owen was going to pass away. I mean, I didn't see any of it either, but once again, that was my, that was, that was the ultimate optimist okay. in me too, which, which I, I feel like I am the ultimate optimist in many ways, you know? So it's it just, it's just, it's a shitty city, uh, a shitty situation all the way around. But, <sighs> and, it's just there's no way that something like this can happen there's no way somebody can fall 70 plus feet from the rafters to the ground and it, it just it doesn't happen it can't happen and then did happen and i think it's an ultimate testament to your co-workers that night who who were able to finish out that show um and and were able to put on the caliber of matches that they were able to um knowing that Owen Hart was dead. And I think one thing that's super important, Matt, to remember is that most people don't have cell phones at that time. Social media doesn't exist. The people in the arena probably for the most part had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And they, I mean, they, they probably didn't too. Like uh, as insane as it sounds, I mean, there, there were probably some people in there that that may have even thought it was, it was a work. It wasn't even a real person. You know, they, they, they probably didn't know like, Oh, it's pro wrestling. You know, it's all, it's all, it's all phony. You know, it's all entertainment. Uh, they're just doing something different in the show. I mean, who, who knows, right. you know, but like, like you said, with the world was nowhere near as interconnected as it is now, you know, so it's, it's almost in some ways it would be frightening to see all the cell phone footage and video footage. Oh, if that happened in this day and age, it would well, be terrifying. I, I say that because there's just, as you said, there's no way the show would have continued. And yeah. And yeah, I mean, if it happened now, no way, no, no way. I, I've been very outspoken about this because I even remember watching this on pay per view, and and I'll date myself here, but I was six years old, and I remember even watching. And when they announced that Owen died, I was like, and you know, a six year old understanding death, that whole concept is abstract as it is. But even I remember being like, why is this still going on? And I understand that there's pay-per-view commitments and you have to fill time slots, but you could always just re-air stuff from earlier in the night. It's a tragic situation. And the bottom line is, and I didn't even really think about this until the Dark Side of the Ring episode, which is one of the most chilling, chilling uh, documentaries you're ever going to see, but it's exceptionally well done. Um, That was a crime scene. That was a crime scene. And then you had people working in the ring in the same spot that this happened so how the show went on is beyond me i don't understand it and i get it was uncharted territory like you said 
But even if he hadn't passed and he had just taken a really bad fall, it is still a crime scene. Something went wrong that there needs to be an investigation into. Right. So I just I, that has sat with me over the years, Matt. And like I wasn't there. I can't attest to it. But right. The amount of uh, credit I give to your peers for continuing with that night. Um, Especially when you, you know no one was in the mood to go out there and right have a pro wrestling match. How could they? They 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 didn't. They they can't. I mean, there there's been different times I can think back through where I didn't want to go out there. I didn't want to do this. I wasn't really in the mood. You know, there's very few rare times. It would have been hard for me to like suck it up and try and go out there after that. Well, the next night is Raw's Owen. It's a tribute show to Owen Hart. Uh, you guys wrestle Kayanta. You get a win there. Um, what was it like wrestling on that show? What was the atmosphere like backstage that night? An incredibly emotional show. All Sad. Considered. Sad. Everybody was heartbroken. Uh, a lot of bereavement over the loss of Owen already because he was such a beloved figure in the locker room. And it was just a, it was a, it was a very sad night. And I feel like on those tribute shows, it sucks. I've done so many tribute shows that I've been around so many people that have passed away, especially at younger ages. Um, I, I do feel like with those tribute shows, it, it, at least we're able to go out there and just honor them for those two hours. It, it, at least, you know, uh, that, that's the only positive uh, positive thing about those tribute shows is at least you're honoring and, and paying respects, you know, to, to the performer that has passed away. And, and one thing, even fast forwarding, to now that kind of time has obviously passed and I'm so happy. I'm not going to go into this now, but I'm so happy that AEW is going to be celebrating the, the, the life and career of Owen Hart through this Owen Hart tournament and also uh, through producing different Owen Hart merchandise as well. And I'm so happy that, you know, Martha and Owen's memory and, and their kids are going to be able to honored, be, be honored somewhere in, in the pro wrestling venue. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's kind of like putting a bow tie on the full circle nature of the conversation where it was the wild west. Everyone was doing painkillers and, you know, hard drugs and all this shit. Owen was doing things the right way and he got taken from us far too soon. Yeah. And, and that is the most tragic part about that. Absolute but, tragic, absolute injustice. But the beauty is, People look back at Owen so fondly. And like you just said, AEW paying tribute to Owen. Uh, when you first heard about that collaboration, what was your reaction to it? Because it, it had been a very messy situation with Martha Hart and pro wrestling uh, since the accident. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard about it probably over a year ago. And I, I, heard, I heard about it from Chris Jericho, which he was kind of the guy that kind of uh, made this a reality. I think in a lot of ways, he was kind of like the inner interconnection between Martha and the family and AEW. So I, I know he talked about things they were wanting to do and it just sounded so cool. And like, he, he knew obviously I was one of the guys that actually worked with Owen and knew him personally. So uh, he was pretty excited to share that. And I, I thought that was a, a very cool detail. And, I, and I'm so happy because I know AEW and I have all the confidence in the world that, that Tony Khan is going to do his best to, you know, just make Owen Hart, out to be the the legend and uh once again uh lay in front of you the legacy of his career and all his contributions to pro wrestling and and, and a lot of his contributions led 
to the the formation uh, formation of AW and the style of AW. Very much the style. Very much the style of AW. No doubt about that. Uh, Owen Hart, absolutely. Late groundwork for that style of wrestling. How much does it mean to Jeff that he gets to compete in that tournament? Uh, it's cool. It's very cool. And, and I think it's one of those things. Jeff is the only one in the the Owen Hart tournament that actually wrestled with Owen Hart, you know, back in the day. The only three people, well, there's four people now. Uh, myself, Jeff, Christian, and Chris Jericho, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there, there's others. Dustin has. Um, uh, Mark Henry has been around. Hey, Jeff Jarrett's uh, still out there wrestling too, you know? Yeah, well, I was just talking about specifically, specifically at AAW. And uh, I, I think it's very cool that Jeff is in this uh, Owen Hart tournament. And I think it's a cool story too, going, you know, going with that story that he's one of the guys that actually worked with Owen and Owen was like a mentor and, and uh, one of his role models coming up. Like, I think that's a great story to even Jeff having a run and winning this thing. Yeah. I hope we get to hear that story told a little bit. I think that'd be really cool um, to see that. And I think it's cool too, like Jeff being the baby brother, Owen being the younger brother. Like there's just, there's, there's a cool little parallel there. Indeed. Um, and, and it's just, it's remarkable. People don't even realize how insane it is that Owen Hart and his legacy are being reattached to wrestling because it looked like a when hell freezes over kind of situation for a very long time. And, uh, and understandably, right? Like, like understandably, there's, sure. there's a lot of murkiness around the incident. And for Martha to open up and, and for us to have this opportunity to celebrate Owen's legacy... I think that's a really monumental thing in pro wrestling history, Matt. It's it's huge. I mean, because like if Owen's memory and legacy and career, if it's not honored, if, if it's kind of allowed to to fade away, classify itself as obsolete, like not not be here, that that's that's sad. And and I feel like that's also an injustice. I feel like we need to we need to remember Owen and how much of a pioneer he was and how much he did to influence today's style and, and the, the way people work and, and, the, and the way people entertain in the ring. So I'm just so happy that there is a platform that is ready to honor Martha and their family and Owen on the level it should be. What is the sentiment like from the AW locker room right now about getting a chance to have this tournament and from the people that are going to get a chance to work in it? Uh, I mean, everyone is excited for it and everyone is, uh, is, is hyped for the Owen Hart tournament. And I think a lot of people ha- have a very a, a very solid understanding that he was one of the guys that really paved the way for the current AEW style and the current pro wrestling style in 2022. I mean, he was way ahead of the curve. He was way ahead of his town. I also like that it's going to be both uh, male and female and that there's both both genders are going to get a chance to yeah. have an opportunity to hoist the cup. And, and what a great yeah. rub that is, too, right? Um, just so enormously influential. Look at Kevin Owens right now. His last name is Owens because of Owen Hart, and his son's name is Owen because of Owen Hart. Yeah. Uh, tremendous influence across the industry. What is one thing that you would like the world to know about Owen Hart? Just that uh, in pro wrestling – where there's a lot of shady characters. Owen was truly one of the good guys. One of the best human beings you'll ever meet. And on top of that, just a a good quality person. Uh, Didn't do bad things to people. 
super loyal to his wife and his family. And uh, he had a very healthy balance of pro wrestling and family life. And that might be, if anything, that is something that I feel like I, I, I have learned and I have taken from on having a very healthy balance because you have to really be able to separate the, once you go through that curtain, when the red light's on, you have to be able to separate that side from when you come back through the curtain and, and you go home, you can't take that shit home with you. You know, you have to kind of let it go. So a healthy separation is very important in this industry. And like Owen was definitely one of the pioneers of that. It just, just uh, an amazing human being on all levels. He had said in interviews around that time too, that come the end of his contract, he was done. Like he was going to step away from wrestling at a young age and he wanted to spend time with his family. And yeah. That, 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 that was his goal from the very first time I, I remember meeting him or having a conversation with him. Uh, that, that, that was very important to him. He, he was one of those guys where him and Mick Foley, people would give them shit. Sometimes there'd be guys that we know in certain towns and they would just go stay with them, like to save money and not spend money on hotel rooms. Sure, Owen Hart, we didn't even talk about that. He was known as very frugal, very frugal. Uh, and, and, and the whole reason he wanted to save, of all that money as much as you could is that he could just take care of his family and spend time with them all the time and not have to work, not have to be on the road, you know, 10 days on four days off as the schedule was then. And I, I remember that was something he stressed to us earlier on too. Like you guys make sure to save all the, all, all the money that you can, because you never know when this is going to run out. You could get hurt anytime. Uh, and it could be a career ending injury. He said, if you're able to make good money, make sure to save as much as you can because it could end at any day. Any other ribs that he pulled on you that you'd like to share with us? Uh, no, I, 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 I do have one of uh, one of my favorite ribs that he did. Not necessarily when he pulled specifically on me, but whenever they had the uh, uh, if it was the Hog Pin match between Triple H and uh, Henry O. Godwin and Hog, people remember that a very famous match where they were like wrestled in the mud. And well, do you remember what the specific name of the match was? I'm sure somebody will pull it up. Like a slot pin match, hog pin match, whatever it was. Anyway, on that day, we were booked. It was the hog pin match at, uh, in your house. Yes, hog pin match in your house. We were booked for this in your house, and we were doing all the TVs afterwards. So, uh, Seasons we, beatings, it was. Seasons beatings. So we were booked there, right? So I know we were there where the extras uh, were had their own locker room or whatever, where we dressed. And I remember someone pulled up and kind of came by us. I was out there with some other guys. I think Jeff was nearby. And he said, uh, excuse me, uh, excuse me, do you know where we need to go? We are here. We are delivering the hogs. Apparently they have, you know, rented out hogs for the day because they they, they need it for some some sort of attraction here, whatever it may be. And we said, oh, I don't know. That's like way above our pay grade. We're just, we're just, uh, we're extras here. You should probably ask someone else. And I remember Owen came roaring out of the hallway. He said, hey, hey, hey. He said, you the guy with the hogs? You have the animals, right? He said, I'll show you where to put them. Come with me, come with me, come with me. And we kind of like follow this because he seemed very suspect when he was doing this, Reddit, right? Like he was up to something. And then you see him go through and he goes to where there's always a huge sign on wherever Vince's office is. It's his Vince's office. And he removes the sign. He says, this is where they go. They all go right in here. This is, the, this is where we're going to store them until showtime. And they, they put several hogs in Vince's <laughs> office. And I remember we're like, oh, my God, this fucking crazy son of a bitch. Like, what is he trying to do, get fired, whatever? And he's just he's dying laughing about it the whole while. And. They come back through, and I remember we sat around and we watched just to like survey this situation. Popping the popcorn, just waiting for it to oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So then we we sit there. Vince comes walking back. No chance in hell. And he uh, grabs the door, opens it, and a hog comes running out. And he looks in, and he sees all those hogs. And he's going, and he turns around, and he goes, Oh! Ah! 
and then we brought it out. I don't know how mad he got with him, but he knew immediately as soon as the hog ran out. He, Owen! Wow. What a great story. That, that, that was ballsy. <laughs> that was ballsy beyond it. You could tell he was close with his boss. Well, I was going to say that's a credit to the relationship that he had with Vincent. At yeah. the time. Um, <laughs> Come with me. I'll show you where they go. I'll show you where they go. And you can see him looking around like a little kid. He had that little kid sense of humor anyway. He's like, oh, and he like pulled the sign down like the Vince, you know, Vince sign boss. He would always have it say like Vince emperor. And it had like someone in a chariot, you know, like it's the sign outside Vince's door. And he like slides aside. He said, they go right in here. This is where they're going to storm. I don't know why they chose this room, but this is the place. They used to call Vince uh, Caesar. So that was uh yeah that that was a Jay Strongbow thing yes it's called the Steve. emperor he would call him the emperor that's how he would always refer to us because Chief Jay Strongbow was kind of our contact whenever we started getting book booking whenever we were booked on our own whenever he would call me up he said oh yeah he said uh, come on up he said uh, me and the emperor we really require your presence here at Boston or in Missouri or wherever it was you know we drive all over the country for these guys yes that's uh that's pretty great um wow what a, what an awesome story. <laughs> uh, the hogs running around that's what a visual too and and vince's veins probably popping out in his head oh man well that was he said, awesome. he said owen with the uh you're fired <laughs> owen. that's kind of how it's in my mind that's great that's so cool you guys must have been dying at that Oh my! It was, uh, I mean, we can believe we were blown away. We're like, "What in the hell?" <laughs> the, the balls that he had. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Who's going to take care of your family if something happens to you? What would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to GoliathLife.com. Get a quick quote for more than twenty carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms. You're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to GoliathLife.com. Let's answer some questions from the fans, Matt, because we got a lot about Owen, because Owen is just so beloved and people want to hear your thoughts. Um, Indeed. Michael asks, let's say there was a dream match main event, Matt versus Owen. Which version of yourself would you have loved to wrestle him in in a one-on-one match, and which version of Owen would it have been? Mm, okay, uh, very, very good. Um, I would I would take the the classic Owen Hart, uh, e- even if it was the Owen Hart that wrestled Bret Hart at WrestleMania 10, but I would have him be the babyface, and I would be the hill in this match, and I would be uh, Matt Hardy. It'd be one and uh, And then I would uh, put a uh, Put the uh, the king of hearts over big right in the center of the ring. I would have loved to have seen a broken man and the blazer of blue. Oh yeah, uh, they, they they would have been fun. They would have yes, blazer that is blue. That would have been fun. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Adam asked when working on his enhancement town, how did he treat you compared to other stars that you were put with during that time? I, I mean, I, I just feel like he was. He was just more normal. He was more kind, maybe more human. And that, that's not to say that other people were bad. I mean, I just felt like they kind of had their business and agenda. And, and to them, we were just the extras there, you know, that are there, that are there to work and put people over whatever. But I feel like Owen just treat us like a lot more human. You know, he's a lot more personable and, and, and just was cool with speaking or just saying what's up or, you know, having a conversation. So that, that, that's that's what I felt like Owen was a little different. He was just much more normal and just just very kind. 
And on that topic, who do you think worked the better match with him in 95, you or Jeff? Fortunately, you did not have to take the bonsai drop. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't watch Jeff's match back. Uh, I don't know. It's probably Jeff. Jeff's matches always rule. Yeah. Uh, but but who knows? I mean, if you watch mine, maybe it's more fundamentally solid. If you watch Jeff, it's more of a rock star performance. It's kind of the difference. between it's Typically how it is. Uh, <laughs> Matt Godfrey asks, if, if Owen didn't pass away, do you think he would still be in WWE or AEW? I know I don't. Uh, as we just talked about earlier, I, I think he would have worked for uh, a few more years. But as soon as I, I, I'm pretty sure Owen is one of those guys that like had a number in mind. He's like, when I get this amount of money, whatever X dollars is, then I'm done. And I'm going to uh, just spend the rest of the, my time at home with my wife and kids. So okay. no, no, I, I don't, I don't think he would be around now. Like, I, I guess in theory, if something would have popped up where he'd had like some sort of light working schedule, you know, maybe he would do that and like give back information be some sort of producer or coach. But my gut tells me from what I remember in my conversations with Owen is that he would, he would have been done when he said he was done. I wonder if he would have like yeah. taken over the heart dungeon and like taken on as the training school. That way he could be home and do things. I think that would have been really great. That, that's a that's a great idea and a great thought. I, I could see something like that. Yeah, or or I, I he would have been a great producer too. He would have been a great coach. Uh, so, I mean, just laying matches together. That's the one thing I think not enough people talk about with Owen. The dude, and you have to really understand wrestling at a certain level here, but putting together matches, man, everything made sense. All the little nuances that he would do in his matches, everything flowed right into each other. He was so good at that. Yes, he was great. So I would have loved to have uh, seen that. Um, uh, Joseph asks, how did Owen's death affect you? I mean, it was extremely painful. Uh, not only losing uh, a colleague, but also someone who you, I feel like we all, you know, myself, Jeff, our, our gang that came around at that time and, especially myself and Jeff, someone we looked at as like a mentor and a role model, someone we could go to who would like give us legitimate advice or help. And then just, it was even more sad knowing the quality of human being he was. He was just taking, he, yeah, he was yeah. taken way too early. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many guys that have lived reckless lifestyles that have lived so much longer that, you know, seem like karma would, come calling and catch up to them. But Owen didn't deserve anything bad. He deserved all the best. So that it's just, it's a, it's an extremely sad and heartbreaking, heartbreaking story in, in every way. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 it's, it's even tough to talk about, especially now, you know, when I think about my family and I just think about putting them in that, that scenario and that situation is fucking devastating. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine how his kids are. I can't imagine if he had, if he was aware at any point through any of that process, he probably wasn't. But if he thought like, Oh my God, I'm going to die and leave my wife and my kids like fucking that, that fucking that killed, that hurts me even saying that it's so, so painful. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm not Owen heart, but I mean, there's so many ways I feel, similar to him in, in this capacity now. Like for me, I want to come out and, and do wrestling because I'm passionate about it and I love it. I love it. And I, don't, I know I don't have long left to do it. I know I don't have a long time left to do it, but I want to do it to the best of my ability. But it's also, 
I'm such a family guy and, and my kids are my everything. My kids drive me to, to be better, to work harder. And, and my wife and my kids and my family, they are my everything. And like, if I weren't there to take care of them, it would, and, and it just, the thought of that being a reality just fucking destroys me. So it's just, it's, it's just heartbreaking on another level. Well, we all, and I, I say this on behalf of everyone listening to this and watching this, appreciate you being so open and talking about this and discussing something that was certainly a traumatic event um, for you and your peers. So we do all very much appreciate it. Let's end on a few uh, lighter ones here. Uh, Yambag Jones asks, uh, Owen had successful tag team runs with Brett, Bulldog, Coco Beware, Yokozuna, Vader, and Jeff Jarrett. Which pairing was your personal favorite? I can't think of anyone else who had that level of success being bounced around with so many different types of guys. Oh man. Um, That's a great point too. I can't think of any other guys either. It is. Uh, the only other person I can think of that achieved that kind of success with other partners and won titles would be me <laughs> uh, with MVP and Bray Wyatt. Um, there you go. And, uh, the Hardy boys are okay. Better than nothing. We might make um, it someday. <laughs> we might make it someday if we keep working hard, keep our feet on, <laughs> keep our feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stores. Um, I, I I love the Owen Hart Yokozuna team. Uh, yes. they, they were they they worked really well together, and they were they were very funny backstage as well. And I might be a little biased and say Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett because I enjoyed the few times we we worked with them as well. Um, and I loved Owen and Brett. I'm always going to love the brother combination. And I would have loved if in the cards we would have seen a great Owen and Brett run. You know, just as champs and like a dominant tag team too. I, I would have loved that as well, but that's once again, probably uh, me being biased, loving I mean, brother, brother combos. Look, if Brett hadn't left in 97, we very well could have seen an Owen and Brett versus Hardy boys match. It very well could have happened. Uh, that would have, that would have been amazing. Which would have been amazing. Absolutely. Uh, Rasslin Rob says being that Owen was Canadian, any favorite memories from up in Canada? Uh, I know you shared on the Michael Hayes episode that the monsoon that you guys drove in was in Canada. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. Thank you for saving his life and sparing him. Yeah, the the, the monsoon was unreal, man. He, he couldn't believe I, I got us there safely. Uh, it just a, a lot of times, one of my one of my fondest memories of Canada is one of the first times I ever drove over and just seeing Niagara Falls, uh, Niagara Falls on the Canadian side, which was pretty impactful, pretty epic. Canada is a, a beautiful place, man. Uh, Vancouver is so beautiful. Uh, I, I love the maritime areas too. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there that reminds me of like the South and in the u.s which uh, I'm, I'm a fan of obviously it you can take the the boy out of the country but you can't take the country out of the boy um toronto's a real cool city i remember having a great time there for wrestlemania 18. i remember some of the uh the drives between like uh, red deer and edmonton and calgary i remember making a drive one of the first times i was there i was driving with adam copeland with edge we were splitting a car and I don't know why I was with Jeff. Uh, he was off or hurt or on another loop or something. It's when they had a couple different shows. And I remember we were making this drive up to Edmonton. And I want to say it was from Red Deer. But it was like 26 or 36 below zero outside. It was during the, the middle of the winter. And I just remember thinking, like, how do people live in this? Like, literally, if we have uh, – if our car – dies and we have like car trouble and we get stuck out here like we would freeze to death like this is seem, seems so dangerous how do people live in these elements yep uh so 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 th those are some of my 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 fondest memories of, of canada when i i think deeply about it yes 
Uh, the maritime area is beautiful. When I was up in Maine, I, I, I I was love there. It. it was just tremendous. I'm all about it. I, I love the maritimes. Yeah. Uh, two more for you, Matt, and then we'll wrap things up here. Uh, Kieran asked, if you could have Owen Hart face three wrestlers on the AW roster, not including yourself or Jeff, who would they be? Oh, man. What a great question. CM Punk's um, got to be one of them, right? Let me think. Let me think. Okay. I, I don't know. I, it, it almost makes me want to think about younger talent in some okay. way because I feel like Owen was a, a very forward-thinking uh, person. I, I would say I, I'm going to do four. Okay. I'm do four. So, so we will say that. CM Punk, obviously, and uh, his love and, and tributes that he's been delivering to everyone else, CM Punk and Owen Hart would be an amazing match, right? Uh, Kenny Omega and Owen Hart would be off the charts. That would be that would be fantastic. And then I then I would love to put in there because like Owen Hart and and Brett that combination. I'm gonna put them together as a tag team and put them against the Young Bucks because I would like to see both Matt and Nick against an Owen Hart because once again being real brothers, I think the Young Bucks versus uh, versus Owen and Brett would be amazing. More so than what, versus FTR. Uh, FTR, FTR would be good as well. And it's almost, you, you, uh, maybe I'm going to do five now. Maybe I'm going to do six. I'm going to say I would like to see Brett and Owen versus the Young Bucks. I would like to see Brett and Owen versus FTR. And I would like to see Brett and Owen versus the Hardys. Yeah. And then the last one I'm going to add, and this is, this is going to throw people for a loop, but just to show how versatile Owen Hart was and how well-rounded he was, I would love to see a 20-minute match between Owen Hart and Orange Cassidy would have been amazing. Would have been, been amazing. amazing. It would have been epic because Orange Cassidy can kick ass and and work whenever he needs to. But just the character stuff, on would have would have really laid into it and played into it hard. It would have been fantastic. Owen being a frustrated heel about Orange Cassidy not giving a shit, and then oh, yeah, you know, and Owen and Danhausen would have made magic together. Man, I mean, I'm uh, not a nugget. <laughs> Dude, and I mean, one match we don't even talk about, but like, we never got to see Owen and Jericho. Like, yeah, what? How fucking great would that have been? Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I think I have to go. I think Owen and Wheeler Yuta would have. I've watched oh, a lot man. of Wheeler Yuta, and Owen and Yuta would have just torn it up. Yeah, um, Owen and Punk. Man, uh, how I'm super happy for Wheeler Yuta now. I'm oh, glad he's in this great spot. So good, man. He's so good. And honestly, Daniel Garcia, that's another one. I, I think Daniel Garcia, yeah. and, and yeah, you can obviously throw out Danielson. There's so many dream matches, so many. Sure. Sure. Uh, those are legit dream matches. And I got the last one here for you from the notorious Gav, G-A-V. <laughs> Who do you want to see crowned as the inaugural winners of the Owen Hart Cup? Um, I would say Jeff Hardy. Brother Nero. On the male side. And then who, who, who do we have that's qualified for the female side as of now? Let's see. I think Britt Baker would be perfect for it. I'm just going to say that straight up. Uh, no, I, I think so, too. I mean, she she, uh, she would be my first pick. I was going to see if there was anyone else that would even be a good I'm pulling it up uh, as our, as of our taping here. I'm trying to get um, who is qualified as we. Yeah, Britt, Britt is. And and I, I, just, I don't know if there is a, a dark horse in there that I would select, but I, I would I would. I would go with Britt Baker. I, I I dig Britt's work. As as of now, the women qualified are Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter, Hikaru Shida, Red Velvet, Ruby Soho, and Britt Baker. And uh, and then this Friday, as this drops, we'll see Yuka Sakazaki versus right. Riho. Right. So yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with DMD and Brother Nero. 
But man, just think about it on the men's side. Joe, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, Dax, Darby, either Bobby Fish or your brother, Ray Phoenix or Dante. The talent is just absurd. So yeah. um, it's going to be great. going to be a great tournament to watch unfold. Very excited to see it. Uh, Matt, this has been a really tremendous episode. And we are seriously, I speak on behalf of everybody, so appreciative of you being open, talking about this. And I want to remind everyone, this was Matt's idea. He wanted to pay tribute to Owen. Uh, that was yeah. not our scheduled episode. And Matt wanted to pay tribute to Owen. So uh, I did. I, it's, it's very important to me, the, the people that were pioneers that, you know, really blazed the trail for people like myself and my brother to, to live out our dream and also open up the, the door for smaller guys and different working styles. And, and, you know, without people like Owen blazing the trail, you know, who knows, do you get man Jeff Hardy? You know, do we get the opportunity to, to, to get signed to WWE to, to move forward and to work the style and kind of revolutionize the business with the ladder matches and table matches and TLC matches, you know, who, who knows? So it's very important to me that uh, Owen Hart is remembered and I'm so happy that he's being honored both his career and his life uh, at all lead wrestling. And I'm very, very happy that it's going to be done to the best of everyone's ability. And everyone loves Owen Hart. Everyone to, to know Owen Hart was to love Owen Hart and every, everyone loves him, even if they don't know him because they've heard all these amazing things about him. And I'm so happy we are going to be able to celebrate the, the life and times of Owen Hart. Absolutely. I'm with you 100% on that. My friend, we got some great ask Matt questions this week. So how about we do episode two of Ask Matt Anything next week? How's that sound to you? That sounds wonderful. The Broken Universe, the V1, the MFers, uh, whatever you want to be, guys out there, send your hashtag Ask Matt questions to at Matt Hardy Pod, at Matt Hardy Brand, at John Alba. And uh, you can ask Matt anything you want. Anything you want. Uh, we got your thoughts. I think we got your thoughts on peanut butter last time. Like, we can get anything here. So go crazy. Dig uh, go up some more Matt facts and ask me if they're still, uh, if they still, hold up. Uh, yeah. Going on. yeah. Uh, so ask Matt anything, episode two, whatever's on your mind, send them to us. And don't forget, you want in on that competition, that little contest we're doing. What can they do, Matt Hardy? Leave us a five, 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 five star review. And I have one last question for you, John, before we yes. leave. Do you know? What T-shirt I am rocking today? I don't. I'm sure someone on this episode said, what are you doing, John? How did you not get it? I'm a big T-shirt uh, television series. I'm not a Walking Dead fan. Is that Walking Dead? That is Walking Dead. That is Walking Dead. I, I, I tried with Walking Dead, and my attention span couldn't keep it. I just had, what, In the very beginning? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about Breaking Bad? Did you do the same thing? Did you kind of peter uh, out early in Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad, I... I appreciate how good of a show Breaking Bad is. I just haven't done the deep dive on it, but I plan on doing it at some point. And he's an amazing, amazing actor. So I, I totally plan on. Now, I, I, I got to throw this detail in. I know we got to go here, but uh, how this says, welcome to Alexandria safe zone. Um, one thing I just want to say, I made a lot of comparisons, especially when I was back at WB. And I said it before that too, WB, I would compare it to Alexandria. So like in the zombie apocalypse, Alexandria was this place where they had these huge walls and it's safe. And as long as you're there, you're good. You make yeah. money. Uh, I mean, you, you, you're, you're safe. You're good. And I compared WWE to it because like if you're in WWE, you know, that check is going to uh, going to clear every single week. You're, you're never going to be you're paid safe. late. Everything's good. You're safe. But if you're truly a fighter, 
you can go outside Alexandria and you can live an even better life. You know, you, you can you can find these own riches. You can find your own things, but you really have to bust your ass to make it happen. And it's also a little more dangerous because there are uh, a lot of threats on the outside. But I've always been someone who's not afraid to step outside Alexandria. And that's an analogy I, I made many times when I was back at the movie. I just remember I went on a date one time and afterwards we came back and we were watching The Walking Dead because she was a really big Walking Dead fan. And I guess it was like this really major episode where Negan was like really starting to show that he was like an asshole and he just bashed in some main character's head. And it was this big emotional moment for her. And I was just like, oh, that was pretty crazy, huh? <laughs> and and uh, I, I just never never could get in but it's right up your alley i know that yeah that's when they were on their knees and he got yeah. glenn yes that was it it was that he, he, he killed two members and they changed it up they tried to throw a swerve because they killed glenn in the books i want to say but like uh they they killed someone else and then they killed glenn second and i remember his eye was like poking out yes that, he, had this, that's what happened. he had this amazing love story with maggie and i remember one of the coolest lines ever he just said he said he said i'll find you i'll find you like in the afterlife which was pretty strong and powerful how about that well, we got we got Ask Matt Anything next week, and then we are getting Woken the week after with Woken Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. So the deleters of world. That's oh, going to be an exceptional episode. I can't wait for that. Very fun, yeah. So we got a fun slate ahead here, guys. Make sure you subscribe to The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy wherever you get it. The words have been spoken, and we'll see you next time here on Extreme Life. Matt Hardy. Adios. Adios.